admire your intelligence, your sense of responsibility, your independent nature, your willingness to help other people, which is evident by the work you do, and your outgoing nature. The way you just pick up and leave, go to another state, <laughs> and the way that you deal with other people, any other type of people. I think all of those are profoundly, profoundly admirable, okay? Sorry it took me so long, but I hope that helps you out. All right, I'm going to start my day, son. I love you. I'll talk to you soon. I don't know how much time I have to say what I'm going to say or if I'm going to be able to fit this into the hour. So, um, quick intro. Welcome to Something Positive for Positive People, 501c3 nonprofit organization that you can donate to via Venmo or Cash App at Courtney Brain. If you want to be a long-term Patreon subscriber, go to patreon.com and then you can just search us under something positive for positive people. On PayPal, you can donate to us if you're outside the U.S. And you can just type in uh, slash SPFPP. That's just the acronym for something positive for positive people. Um, I'm going to read something real quick before um, talking. And this was like thought out process. And um, I think that it's it's important that I, I read this here. All right. So title of the podcast 69 (laughs) right funny um but what it's about is perspective we're looking at the same thing in the same location if my mother drew a nine on the floor standing across from me i see a six before i even know what numbers are it's a particular color font shape the lighting is different from our angles I have to learn what a six is in order to communicate to her that I'm seeing a six. She drew a nine. And so she's communicating that me saying that this is a six isn't right at the point where I can communicate. So I describe it to her. And maybe there are some aspects of the shape that we both perceive the same, but she cannot know what I'm seeing if she's stuck where she is and neither can I. I have to be willing to go where she is or ask her to come to where I am and we describe it together. Then we notice all the miscommunications about the shape. That shift in perspective starts with a willingness for someone to be vulnerable and ask for what they need. I needed to understand why she made me out to be wrong for so long. I could have been stuck guessing and trying to make myself right, but I went out into the world and saw all kinds of shapes, all kinds of fonts, some that looked like a six and others that looked like a nine, but that's in reference to me. I went off being wrong and making others wrong about what they were experiencing with no regard for the way that they were taught to draw a shape a.k.a. communicate, what shapes looked like to them, a.k.a. communication, what material used to draw it, what it's drawn on, how it was drawn, its font, its uniqueness, the color chosen, the lighting, the brightness, the size, the list goes on. 
all this time, I internalized the perspectives of my parents drawing a nine as me being wrong in all my perceptions leading to not trust myself. When all I needed to do was challenge the narratives with willful action to understand from the sources by why I thought I was wrong through trying to make myself right with others, forcing them to look at my six and validate the image. Nobody is wrong, but our unwillingness to be wrong creates a lifetime of suffering through trying to be right. If you have the chance, ask your earliest influences, primary providers, parents, whoever is still around, just what were they trying to show you with a willingness to understand. My direct asking of my parents for what I needed from them showed me that we see the same things, but there's a different narrative attached to them that is based on perspective. Perspective that I may not have gotten if I let the narrative that I created be the narrative. So um, that that's what I hope to more so elaborate on in this podcast episode uh, through sharing both what my parents think of me. Um, I asked them to just tell me, you know, how, how do you see me? And this is a very vulnerable thing for me. I don't ask for what I need a uh, long time ago. I think it was uh, 2020. And I asked my dad because I was I was journaling. I was just reflecting on why is it that when I get excited, I also get disappointed. And the more I asked why, the more I was describing. And the I, me language turned to me talking about my dad. And then I recognized that in my writing, it turned into you, your language as if I'm talking to my dad. So I took it upon myself to um, record myself reading that. And then I sent it to him. I didn't expect him to listen, but it felt good to me to have sent that, to have said this to him. And you know what he said back? He did listen to it. He said, son, I didn't realize you need anything. Like you've always been so independent. And that, that narrative stuck with me two years ago. So uh, last week, I asked, or maybe it was two weeks ago when I asked, but last week I received. Um, and I, I didn't realize that, you know, I, me asking for what I needed from the source of people who have the power to give me the, the re-triggering of the ultimate rejection, or they can liberate me with just delivering and just giving me what it is that I want. But not only did they deliver, y'all, they like, they, it was a, a validation beyond anything that I can say I've ever experienced. I hear from people on a daily basis how amazing I am, how attractive I am, how thankful they are that I'm in this space. And be, I'm going to be honest, like that doesn't do anything for me except for make me resist it because I've had such a resistance to receiving. And what you'll hear in my parents' voice messages is that I have always seemed to be really independent. And the way that I, you know, um, the way that they interpret my independence or my uh, avoidance of neediness is that I'm independent. And it's so wild to me because, again, it goes back to perspective. You know, they drew a six for me and 
interpreted my behavior in looking at that six that they drew, you know, the communication that occurred between us from not having shared perspectives allowed for me to create a narrative that it's not okay for me to need anything because I'm thinking to myself, my parents are incapable of meeting my needs, so therefore I'm not going to ask because they're just going to tell me no. And as an adult, how that shows up, like I said in past episode, um, we unconsciously look to resolve unfinished business that we have with our parents or primary caregivers in our relationships. So my examples of how to do relationships, man, this is so wild to me, y'all. I do significantly better in long distance relationships. My parents, as far as I've known, have never been together. When I was a baby, like they, they were in a relationship still, but things ended and I saw my dad on weekends and I would get really excited about seeing my dad on weekends because that was when we did fun stuff. And this is the first time I'm like saying this out loud to people. Um, I've kind of talked about this after processing it with um, a partner, but that's that's about it. Um, and my, one of my friends actually. Um, and it's really, man, it's it's powerful to have done this exercise to see how my parents see me. And while it's powerful that the exercise was done, I think was more powerful is the fact that. I broke through the insecurity that was beneath the insecurity that I had. Like um, I've mentioned being very financially insecure and my mother was able to say to me, you know, I I didn't want you to be like your granddad because he had never been good with money. And I told y'all I interpreted like my mom telling me not to be like the men around me just because she didn't want me to be like the men around me. Now, granted, that absolutely uh, conditioned me and gave me the superpower of being super emotionally aware, available and intelligent. And, you know, my mom even apologized to me. She was like, hey, I'm sorry for damaging you. And I was like, mom, you didn't damage me. I mean, I was just confused <laughs> because, uh, you know, looking in adulthood, like it, women that I want don't necessarily want that emotionally available all the time like person. Um, what I saw versus what was said to me are completely different things. What my mother went for was emotionally unavailable men who were just like my dad, just like my granddad, but then told me, you know, raised me not to be like them. So my lesson in that age was like, oh, it is more important for relationships that happen with um, people who sex is involved with than it is for uh, there to be like the the connection or the the intimacy, the closeness and everything. And I think that through my relationships, I've looked for in partners the precise same thing that I give to uh, the something positive for positive people community, that space, that ability to reflect or the, the safe space to reflect and receive feedback and and potentially criticism. Um, But this, that's what I've done. My mom called me an amazing listener, which 
plays out in the whole like I host a podcast. I listen to people and I respond to what it is that they give me and share that I make people feel comfortable. My dad loves the way that I communicate with all types of people. And that was real. uh, It was interesting to hear in his tone, in the tone of his voice, like how he said all types of people, because I know what he means. He means like LGBT community members. uh, He means people who have, you know, maybe like dark histories or have been not quite the most ethical, (laughs) as well as, of course, like people with STIs. So uh, listening to these messages had done more for me than I thought it would. Because I, I told my therapist what I was going to do when I did it. And he was like, all right, Courtney, well, what if you don't hear what you think you're going to hear, what you want to hear? And I took a real long pause and I thought to myself, I was like, damn, you know what? It doesn't matter because no one's validation you know, matters or should matter, right? But to me, theirs did. Theirs did because for so long, in my relationships, in my dating, I have covertly and very, like, regardless of me trying not to appear needy, I very much have been a needy person in the throughout the course of my relationships with people, with women. I mean, I arguably like my relationships, period, relationships with men, because I look at it and it's like, I do the whole, if I get excited, then I'll be disappointed thing. That has happened a lot with other people that like I'm hoping to get from them what my dad did. My dad would make the plan and then like a lot of times the plan wouldn't happen. So that's where that came from. So in my adulthood, like I have not been the best about um, like letting myself create a plan, come up with it, and then follow through. I've been doing that more lately. I got, um, I went to Dave Chappelle's show in Portland. I went to Tyler, the Creator show, or a concert in Portland. I booked Kendrick Lamar, Jack Harlow. Um, I was trying to get Kevin Hart tickets uh, for whenever he's going to be here. I booked the Costco, uh, Costco, oh my goodness, cosplay. (laughs) Uh, Comic Con is going to be in Portland in September. I tried to go to the one in San Diego, but it's been sold out since 2019, y'all. 2019. Um, and then there's a festival coming up in Queens, August 20th weekend, where Flatbush Zombies are going to be, Janae Aiko, Missy Elliott. These are all people who are going to be performing there that weekend. And I'm making it a point to be able to go to that. I'm, I'm, I'm doing things. I'm giving myself the opportunity to be excited about things. And so my avoidance of rejection that, again, was highlighted because of my herpes diagnosis. Actually, it took me up until this, what, nine, 10 years later for me to really be able to dissolve that, I would say. Like, I I feel like it's dissolved through my parents' willingness to, or my willingness. This was me. I did this. My willingness to ask my parents for what I need dissolved that fear of rejection because I was able to ask. Like my dad said that he thought I didn't need anything. And that came from me being afraid to ask. This was a direct consequence of my fear of asking for what I needed. So when I did it, 
the interesting thing that happened within me was that something something healed, something started healing. And I think that, that something that healed or started healing was, I, I metaphorically was in this fog, this fog of my internal beliefs about myself. So I would allow for this fog of beliefs that comes from how other people see me to you know cloud me it was it was like i couldn't see myself i couldn't see the next step that i was taking i felt like asking my parents for help was a way of calling out to them through the fog like i'm i'm there i'm in their peripherals my parents would love to be able to do something for me probably because i never asked them for anything probably because i am so independent probably because i have always appeared to not have needs so the value of my ask is significantly greater than if i were to always ask for things but in turn you know i would always try and manipulate situations and probably not just from the people around me but also from my parents and so it was important to me that in asking, like that was metaphorically a call to them through the fog for them to be like, yeah, son, what's up? Like, where are you? Here, we're coming. We can find you. And <clears throat> their voices, their hearing me was enough to break up that fog and sort of like repel some of those beliefs and the voices around me that created that fog in the first place, which allowed for space to be created between myself and these external uh, sources of my validation and my own beliefs and the narratives that I attach to what's been said to me to the point where I was able to see like my hands in front of me, my legs and my body. And I could see like the next step out of the fog. And I could have stopped there and just kept going like on my own. But no, I did a bigger ask. I asked my parents, you know, how do you see me? How do you experience me? What do you like about me? What's good about me? Rather than the world telling me, hey, Courtney, you are good because you run this nonprofit. You have this podcast. And. My Both of my parents did it. My my dad gave me a handful of things that he really does admire about me. My mother gave me like six, seven minutes of uh, just talking. And um, I, I'll, I'll, I want to share that here. And in the talking, you know, she one of the things that she said was that I am worthy. You know, I didn't I didn't know that I needed that from her. But it was something that I needed. I, I needed this. And it was very important to me after having gotten it to like really absorb that into my body, into my spirit. Because for so long, I felt as if I had to prove I was worthy. I have to save people. I have to always be available uh, when people reach out to me <clears throat> on social media. And I have to always be like willing and able to drop whatever it is that I'm doing. My mother also called me naive. And that naivety, like I, I know what she means. Um, and that I love very easily, too. 
And I don't think that the loving too easily is a bad thing. I think trusting too easily is a bad thing. Um, and in my case, it's it's just turned out bad in a couple of situations. But as far as a naivety thing, like that's just me having hope, like being hopeful that people are good, people will be good, that change can happen. You know, the naivety may come in where I'm being taken advantage of or I'm believing and trusting someone who has not quite earned that belief or that trust at all. So I'm uh, that's something that's information. A lot of what my parents have given me is information because they say one thing and I'm like, oh, then that means that my interpretation of that is expressed through my behaviors in this way or this situation in particular. And I can call upon situations where what they said was valid and accurate. And I I really wish that I would have gotten this sooner because I would have been a different person. You know, my mom has always like misused words. Like she in the voice message called me a narcissist, but then turned around and said loving like that. That doesn't even make sense. So I know my mom don't know what she's talking about with some of these words. (laughs) She has called me arrogant. Um, And it's because like I'm I'm right. (laughs) I can't be arrogant for being right. It's not like I make my mother wrong in anything or I make anyone wrong in anything you know no nobody's wrong I guess unless it comes to you know numerical facts but outside of that sorry y'all it's it's six something in the morning and I'm on vacation I'm in California it's my last day here um but I wanted to I wanted to get this recorded like I'm in a very Something about water always gives me clarity. And I also realize that every time I go to California and then I go back home, wherever home is at that time, I have some kind of a breakup. So we'll we'll see if that happens. Uh, the first time I went, it was, um, yep, it was my, my ex-girlfriend. Um, another time I went, it was a friend. And then another time I went, wow, it was a... Uh, Someone that I was, someone I was seeing. So yeah, I'm, I've had three breakups, and then the one, two, three times that I've been to California, we'll see what happens when I get back this time. <laughs> um, but yes, I very much encourage people if you have the opportunity to get the perspective of your the 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 source of your triggers. The source of my, if I get excited, then I'll be disappointed. Trigger was my dad. The source of, um, you know, women, like I need a a partner, a woman who can give me the same level of emotional connectivity and availability that I give to other people. Um, and that everybody like uses me for my emotional support because I'm a man who's emotionally available. Some people don't know what to do with that. Some people aren't attracted to that. Some people recognize like, oh shit, that's a that's a man right there, and we move forward. And so you know, not to say that things are gonna change for me, um, in a sense of becoming less of that, but. Like I, I, I see my value. I see that 
this is something that I have so freely offered to people who aren't deserving of it. And in this space, that is something positive for positive people. I have a safe space for expressing that and giving that to, to people. And I hope that um, I'm able to continue to do so at a much higher quality capacity than I have in the past because I've let people in the real world drain me or people who, you know, don't have uh, intentions of investing in me, investing in this organization to come and get, you know, what is one of my more valuable assets, which is my emotional support, my ability to listen, my ability to see people. Um, And so, yeah, I, I think that I've consistently invested naively a lot of energy and time into people who aren't going to reciprocate that with my mission, my work, my life, what it is that this organization has going on, our community. So I'm I'm very much on high alert from people who are taking because now I have learned how to receive. And because I can receive I recognize that I can ask for what I need and that fear that I've always had underlying the reason for not asking for things is because I didn't know how to receive. And that receiving of the validation of my parents was one time where I had the opportunity to receive. I just received their their words, their thoughts of me. I couldn't debate with them. I couldn't, oh, no, no, that's not right. Oh, I'm just going to be overly humble. I couldn't shut that shit down because I, I've shut it down uh, in my yoga class, my yin yoga class, where the instructor was talking about grief, I had this voice come into my head and this voice was talking shit, y'all. The way that I hype y'all up, the way if you reach out to me and I'm telling you, yeah, you a bad, you a bad bitch, keep doing what you're doing, like put yourself out there, anybody's lucky to have you. This is how I heard a voice within my head speak to me. And this voice in my head speaking to me, all this positivity, like it, it made a tear come up because I don't know how to receive that. And what happened was instead of receiving it, I was resistant to it because when it was like, oh, man, you are handsome. I I call myself back to this or you're attractive. I call myself back to this rejection or these women that I was in pursuit of who like weren't interested. I shut down the whole like, oh, yeah, you moved to Portland like you live here. And it's like, I still ain't got no money. It's like, man, you in this yoga class, you doing this, you got that going on, your relationships are healthy. And I just found a way of just shutting that shit down. And I don't know where that was coming from. So after, again, reflecting, journaling and making this ask to my parents, I think I was really able to identify the source of my negative self-talk. And it was on my narratives of the interpretations of my parents, my parents having drawn what they drew on the line to give me what they wanted me to have. Like that's what the six and the nine is symbolic to. The 69 is perspective. 
their drawing of the six has so many layers to it. The surface it's drawn on, the material it's drawn with, the shape of it, the the lighting, the size of it, the color of it. All of these things play a role. And that's a lot of communication for just having written a symbol on the ground for me to look down at and be like, oh, I, yeah, I see what you drew. It's this. And not having all of those other things taken into consideration about what the drawing is on the floor that is a communication of perspectives if we don't have that willingness to come over to where they are look and see what they have and then bring them to our side because i was able to then you know talk to my mom be like oh man mom you drew a six i was looking at a nine this whole time come here let me show you now now show me what you see and the same thing with my dad and having gotten that Like, I am free to see myself how I want to see myself. That's what that offered to me. Their voices lifted the fog. Their voices allowed for me to go from resisting the inner voice of positivity for myself to integrating that. Like, I have now integrated. And I don't talk to myself in third person anymore. Oh, Courtney, you got to do this. Courtney, you know, this thing, this thing. No, it's, it's I, me. Like, I know who I am. I know what I'm capable of. I know that I can challenge the the narratives that my parents have instilled in me or the, the beliefs in, that they've instilled in me that I've supported with the giving a story to it. I've attached a narrative, a story to the the things that stick with me from situations with my parents. And I feel like that healed, you know, like if I like, why does a rejection hurt from somebody so bad? Like I still think about that girl I had sex with. And, you know, even all these months later, you know, she didn't want herpes and that is perfectly fine. That is okay. But that rejection I tried so hard to avoid through being open about my life, about who I am, about uh, the fact that I have herpes. You know, that that's one of those things that were reinforced to me that women want an emotionally unavailable person. And that's, that's not the case, you know, because in some instances it's like, all right, well, I'm trying to prove to you how great I am because I'm doing all this good stuff and people are benefiting and you still rejected me like that, that, that kind of thought process lingers. And the reality is that I'm, I'm worthy. Like I am attractive. I got, I got stuff going on and somebody who, you know, can't look past that thing that is, um, that is something that would keep them from wanting to connect with me like that. That alone is something that demonstrates that we don't align. And through the experience of that rejection like that, that's not even a rejection. That's just a, a boundary. You know, it's OK for people to have boundaries about not wanting to get an SCI. No matter who I am or what I do, if that's what their boundary is, first off, I need to respect it. Second off, great for them for respecting their boundaries and upholding that Um until it's violated or it's like negotiated or it's not really a boundary until it's a boundary. Um, But yeah, like I I recognize like I'm over here tripping off of that when I just asked my parents, my parents, the sources of my triggers, I gave them the power to re-trigger me and they didn't. They healed. They gave me 
the the self-trust that I need in order to, yeah, the triggers are going to be there. But in order for me to manage the triggers myself, in order for me to put my own boundaries in place and a game plan for if someone triggers me, if someone wastes my time or they cancel the podcast interview the day of a few minutes before after I've decided that this is how my day is going to look like. And then when they do that, the day just shifts into something that it wasn't supposed to be. When I put boundaries in place, like that's not going to happen near as much. And I'm going to feel good about myself because, you know, even those feel like rejection. When I invite guests onto the podcast and they don't show up or I got to hound them about being on the podcast. I like, no, I'm not. I'm not doing that. I don't have to. And this is partially where that arrogance comes in. But I, I don't want nobody here that don't want to be here. And, you know, if you want to bail, cancel, like, you'll notice there's some people who are open about their herpes status that I haven't interviewed on the podcast that it makes sense to have on the podcast. But, you know, once you flake, once you miss a call, like, that tells me you don't give a shit about us. That ain't a me thing. That's like, you don't care about this space. Like, you perhaps have whatever agenda you may have, and that is not on me to try and decipher I want people who want to be here. If you want me to interview you, be here. You know, let's let's talk. We can talk. We can um we can be anonymous, whatever, but don't disrespect my time. Don't disrespect the the space, this this sacred space of a community where people come here for healing if you're coming here for taking. So, yeah, that that's just I don't know how I ended up like going off onto that tangent, but um if yeah, if people don't want to be around me, then I would rather experience what that you know may have, what old Courtney would have considered to be rejection. Because now it's not. It's just like people honoring and respecting their own boundaries. And while we haven't been taught to respect, set, and honor people's boundaries in the ages that we should have learned that, like I'm an adult now, I know what that is, and I I know to do it. I know how to do it. So I've not experienced rejection since having asked my parents for what I needed. And I think that 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 might be a key with rejection, because the reason that we feel rejected is because of expectations. And the reason that we have expectations is because we're not putting ourselves in a position to be rejected soon enough, or we may not be doing so in the right circumstances. So for me, like I, I'm, I'm learning to just ask, like ask for what I need, ask for what I want and also be intentional about it. Like, yo, I like you. I want to I want to sleep with you. I want this with you at the and I run the risk of hearing. No, like that's just the reality of it. But I also run the risk of hearing why, you know, like I've come on to or made passes of women who. You know, I find out are in relationships where they're exclusive and there might be mutual interest, but the timing just ain't right. You know, and, and that's mostly what that is. Like, it's about timing. The timing just isn't right for a lot of things, a lot of people. Because when I was disclosing to people at 25 years old, you know, a lot of people, the timing wasn't right. And so it was a nose. But when I was disclosing to people at 33, like age, wisdom, experiences, life, all that's happened. 
and that has taught me it ain't it ain't no rejection there is none and it's all about how you perceive it you know rejection honestly what we think is that people are going to diss us tell the whole internet and our social circles how gross we are that we have an std and that nobody should have sex with us we should only have sex with our kind that's our worst fear and whose voice is that it's one of those voices that's surrounding you that at some point it mattered to you what this person whose voice this is represented in your mind thought of you and you still haven't given them the chance to communicate to you what they think of you. So you might be living a lie, just like having that voice occupy your head rent free and you living a lie based on what you think that person thinks of you when you can cut through all the BS, go to that person if they're still alive, if they're still accessible and just ask them, like, hey, you know, I, I remember you speaking to communicating to me in this way, draw your six on the ground and then see what they relay back to you from their perspective. Because you never know, they might already have done the work to know that just because they draw a nine on the ground, that doesn't mean you're going to see a nine. It's going to depend on where you are, how y'all walk, how y'all were raised, how y'all communicate, how you talk, how you have been, have you've learned to, um, what material have you learned to communicate? How have you learned to communicate the, the shape, the font, the texture, all these things contribute to just drawing a, the, a number on the ground for somebody to tell you, hey, I drew, I see this number. These are all key factors in just that drawing of a shape. So with that being said, you know, look at it with language, look at it with social media posts. We got that same six, nine analogy, 69 analogy here but applied on a much bigger scale, on a much higher quality. We got social media. We got friends around us. We got partners. We got exes. We got teachers, coworkers, employers. We got the, the people we tertiarily communicate with when we go to the gym, when we go to the coffee shop, when we go to a restaurant. Know what you're communicating and putting off to them. Because I recognize now, man, talking to my mom and hearing these voice messages from my mom and my dad, I recognize my neediness. I recognize my insecurities. I recognize the miscommunication of or the misinterpretation that I had on how I thought my parents treated me or saw me or what they tried to teach me. So getting their truth allowed for me to stop thinking that I knew what they were thinking because it allowed for me to just be in what my truth is. And my truth is, man, I am confident. I might be a little bit arrogant. I'm finally on the other side of my financial insecurity. And it's it's a challenge because I still feel like at any moment, all this can be taken away. This can be gone. <laughs> and so it's important to me now that through finding balance, going to concerts, doing things that I like, like caring more about how 
I physically look and my appearance and investing in better clothing, investing in my, um, uh, my, my, my haircuts, right? Like I ain't cut my, I have not gotten a haircut. I'm going to go on Friday. I'm not going back to this dude. Um, he, he was, he rushed me. He had three people signed up for the same time. I needed to be at the airport and he didn't even get me to taper. Dude just like tapered my sideburns. I was like, yo, I, I want to support black businesses, but this right here was ridiculous. So I'm not going to write a bad review. I'm just not going to go back. It's as simple as that. I'll find somewhere else to get my hair cut. Who's going to you know, take their time with it? Because that wasn't even an experience. That was like 10 minutes, quick cut, even in front of other people. Like, dude, you, yeah, I'm not going to be rushing. But anyways, yeah, I'm I'm getting into, because I, I've spent so much I spent the last like nine, nine, not even nine years. I spent like the last five since something positive. I was focusing on that. I was focusing on my my inside self. And I am at a point now where I can more so focus on outside me stuff. And what's fueling my insides is like going to the concerts and going to things that I like to do and what's fueling my outsides. I mean, it's just going to be a matter of taking care of my body. I got a massage and that was amazing. I invested that $180 in a 90 minute just massage of getting my body worked on. And that felt like amazing. I didn't realize what the feeling was, but I felt like I was just able, able to allow myself to receive that's what that was. I got to receive, y'all. And this is the message that I've learned. This is the message that I got from that experience with my parents. I learned that I am worthy. I am worthy to receive. Now, when I go and I look for reciprocity in my relationships, the I am able to actually receive rather than like try and dodge and duck people's willingness and want and desire to help me to give to me. And I got to watch that play out this weekend sexually, y'all. Woo! <laughs> uh, so, yeah, yeah. Um, the ability to receive. That is <clears throat> what we need to learn. We need to learn that we can, that we are worthy, that we are here, that we are valued. So that that is how we can see ourselves. Like, it, and can't nobody take this away from me. I, I know my worth now. And I know that, you know, my parents have been able to communicate with me, communicate to me. um, Courtney, here are places that you need to be able to recognize your value. Your worthiness. You need to be able to receive is the overall message that I got. And looking at myself, I am someone who people want to give to who people want to see succeed, who people want to see thrive. But that don't mean shit if I don't want to succeed, if I don't want to thrive, if I don't want to um, allow for myself to make mistakes, allow for myself to lean into those strong points that I have because I've been so resistant to them. I've been resistant to being... Uh, my mom, she said, the matriarch of the family. I'm wise, just intuitively. Uh, I'm a provider. I'm a protector. I have a temper. Like she, she said these things to me, and 
it was like until hearing them from her, I didn't. I, I've always had this like level of resistance to compliments that I get from people, and so like hearing it from my mom and just breathing through the discomfort of not wanting to receive allowed for me to flex that muscle and break down that muscle so that it can go back stronger, so that I do more easily receive, that I do more easily receive. Um, whatever like hype people want to give me that's work life as in pursuit of my purpose my passion something positive for positive people in my relationships and my relationship to myself cuz this is how I talk to myself now I talk I talk my shit and that got lifted and just the the blessings have been raining in. It's a blessing for me to be able to be where I am right now in California for a three-day weekend and just like some sunshine, beach time, friend time, uh, the building of new connections time. For me to be able to go back to Portland, get back to work, prepare these presentations create these curriculums, record these podcasts, all while continuing to do the self-work on myself and just being who I am with permission for myself to see myself as I see myself rather than how other people see me because I control that. I control the room. I control what people's first uh, first impressions and ideas are of me. Hey, I came in. I came into Portland, y'all. I had five thousand dollars, forty three hundred, starting uh, with me having paid the rent. <clears throat> and it got to a point where I was looking at my bank account. I was like, I don't know how much longer this gonna be sustainable. But sticking through it, being consistent and trusting myself because the the inaccuracy between how my mom and my dad saw me versus how I thought they saw me, it, it created this distrust. And I can honestly say that because of that, I did not trust myself. So breaking through these layers of miscommunication by simply being willing to speak to my parents about how they see me. Being willing to receive that from my parents, being willing to um, free myself. Like, I feel liberated. I'm, I'm definitely liberated. Uh, not just like in the sense of being free from something, but free to do anything. That's what liberation is. Like, freedom is freedom from something, liberation is freedom to do anything. And that's where I'm at. Like, and it just took this challenging of perspective for me to be here. So I, I think that my quality of what the quality of what I put into what I create, what I co-create, my relationships, my podcast episodes, the business that I'm putting it out, the the business functions of something positive for positive people, the 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 coaching, the advice that I give, the wisdom quote <laughs> that I share. I think that these are all very, very, very like powerful 
epiphanies and yeah, this is this is it. This is it for me, man. This is what this is where I'm at. This is what I need. This is how I'm gonna have a significant more a significantly higher impact on people. And now I'm also able to receive like those the validation, the the compliments, the even money. Like even with the money, like I, I got funding uh for ten thousand dollars for something positive for positive people to pay myself to just record twelve podcast episodes. And when the check came through, I had to pay myself. And it was so uncomfortable for me because I'm so used to having my identity as someone who doesn't get paid for this work. And where that comes in is someone who seems like they don't need anything. And therefore, people can't help me because I don't seem like I need anything. And people want to help and don't know how. So, like, I I worked for this. Like, I, I worked to get to this point to where I can start to pay myself and pay myself well and the resistance that was there is 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 lifted <laughs> is lifted now so um i hope that this podcast episode was useful to you um if you stick around i'll play the messages from my mom and my dad i want these to live on because i don't know know how much time my parents have left not to say that anything's wrong with them they're young but still you just never know in the world that we live in anything can happen to anybody so if you hear this and you already got that person in mind reach out to them ask them ask them to validate you ask them to tell you how they see you ask them to just speak positivity into you and if they got to do it over a message or if y'all can do it in person like play around with it and let me know what you do let me know what you think i want for you to have the same sense of liberation that i have for myself allow yourself to be able to receive because that's damn sure what i have i've been doing what i've done i can receive now i am worthy I am confident. I am all the things, all the things that you about to hear here. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and play those messages here so you can hear directly where this comes from. Um, if you haven't already, I have a survey that is um, on my Instagram page and it'll also be linked here in the show notes. I want for people to attend the introduction to sex positivity for something positive for positive people in our community. The podcast episode does release next. Oh, well, immediately after this one. (laughs) So the episode immediately following this one will have the link to the survey uh, that is letting me know that you're registering for the sex positive, uh, the, the intro to sex positivity workshop. And my selling point here is that there's going to be so much more that you get out of sex positive communities than you'd get out of a herpes support group or a herpes dating group community um, because you'll learn the things like boundaries and how to create them, how to identify them, how to uh, identify what you need, what you want, and how to be able to practice communicating that with people, as well as a lot more like uh, social justice, open-mindedness, and just, yeah, you there, there's a, another liberating effect of an organization such as Sex Positive World. So with uh, Jamie Kowedi, the uh, executive director of the organization, 
we already recorded the podcast, so you'll get to kind of be sold on the idea of attending this event. It'll be July 21st, 6.30 Pacific time to 8.30, and we'll just talk through, like, how sex positivity and um, having an STI, uh, how these two things can go hand in hand and support a process of healing outside of like just everybody having herpes and talking about having herpes. So I want to introduce y'all to this and then hopefully uh, you'll join and become members and be able to have the same sort of like access to educational and support resources that I have. Here, uh, here's here. I'll go ahead and like just say bye now. Um, if you want to donate, please do Venmo cash app, Courtney brain, my first and last name, no special characters, no spaces. PayPal is slash SPFPP and Patreon. You can join us at something positive for positive people on the Patreon website. Um, Yeah, y'all. Thank you. Thank you for being here. Thank you for supporting me through these last few episodes that are definitely more self-helpy than they are uh, herpes based. But this that's that's just what is calling to me to to let out here. So I hope that you find value in it and I hope that you find value in yourself. Till next time, stay sex positive. Here's my mom doing what I asked him to do. So now I have some time to actually sit here and do my homework assignment. Um, I want to say that I'm very proud of you. Um, You were an awesome and are an awesome child slash man. I have not and I can't sit here and say that I've had any problems out of you. Um, you were smart then, and you're very smart now. Um, you're charming. Um, you're strong. You're arrogant. You're a narcissist. <laughs> a little. Um, but you're a loving person. Um, you're caring. I think you're gullible with certain situations. Um, I think you love easy, easy. Um, you love your brothers and, and your sister. Um, you love your mom and your grandparents, and you try to be there for everybody. Like it's like you're the matriarch at 33 years old like people come to you and they kind of lean on you for not really validation but just you know your advice I think you're smart for your uh, age and as smart as in wit wise smart not just in books um I couldn't have asked for a better son my first part beat the first, the second man that I've loved, the second, the second guy that I've loved. Um, I tried to steer you away from being so much like your grandfather, only because um, there were not so many, there were not many, uh, I mean, there were a few things that I wasn't, um, I didn't really want you to pick up from him as far as like, you're very good with money. My dad has never been good with money. Um, my dad brags a lot. Um, his pride won't let him sometimes apologize 
but um, I feel like you you can protect. Um, not saying that you could never be a protector. Um, and once I feel like your finances are where, where you feel they need to be, then you would definitely be able to be a, a really good provider. Your your finance conscious. Um, you worry about your next check. Your health conscious, um, especially since your blood pressure has been kind of off the charts a little bit. But as far as, you know, us, what we've grown up together, um, so it's like you're my son slash my brother. Um, we don't argue. We've had some misunderstandings, but we, we cleared them up, which I'm very proud and grateful for that. Um, sometimes I think you were a little naive about a few things, um, clueless even with some situations but um and I, I i want i think that you want everybody to to i don't know if we really like you but i think you just want to be at peace at knowing that <clears throat> you uh or feel wanted or feel needed and i think a lot of people depend on you for a lot of different reasons. Um, I, I can't sit here and remember if you've ever really fallen out with any of your friends. I tried to make sure I monitored that um, as much as I could. So to keep you from getting in situations that you wouldn't know how to handle. And that's what my dad did for me. I wasn't allowed to go spend a night over different people's homes. And I just felt like if I know what goes on in my home. I don't know what goes on in somebody else's. So I am in that notes. I, I went into protection mode as far as doing everything's necessary that I needed to do to protect my children. But um, again, uh, you're handsome. I don't know if I said that. You have a different, unique personality than me. Um, you're easy to talk to. Um, and you're worthy, you know. And you're finding your way by, and I really respect the fact that you're going to counseling. A lot of men don't do that, and a lot of men need that. Um, and it's helping you, and I've seen some changes in you. Not anything bad was wrong with you in the beginning, but it was, you needed it, and you knew that you needed it, which was really awesome. Um, I don't think you're a religious person, but I know that you're a spiritual person. I know that you know where your spiritual foundation comes from without me having to, you know, nag you about it or be on you about it. I'm not the type of parent that nags my children about anything. You know, if you ask me my opinion, I'll give it to you. I really don't say too much. I listen. I do a lot of listening because you can learn a lot from just listening and observing. Um, I wish that sometimes certain situations that you would be more aware of your surroundings and just, you know, not letting people get too close because sometimes they can get too close to just try to uh, hate. But you're learning that. Um, you're very aware, aware of that. I love how you have a good relationship with your siblings. Um, and that, you know, I try not to discredit your dad growing up, you know, because, you know, you're going to find out 
how they are. They are and anyway, so I don't need to bash or say anything negative. You will see that for yourself, just as, as you, you saw with other situations. But I love you very much. If um, I need to do anything else, just let me know. I was off today. I'm actually getting ready to um, make an appointment. I have a couple counselors, uh, therapists, actually, that I need to call to see if I can get an appointment for next week. So, um, if you need anything else, just call me. I love you very much, and I'm very, very, very proud of you. I hate that you moved to Portland, but, you know, this is what you needed for you. Um, and I, I really think you only did it because you know that I'm okay. I don't think you would have did it if you didn't really feel like I was okay. But talk to you later.